All right, no, who's doing the thing this I week? Look you are, Jake. Me? I yeah. told you this yesterday. You did. All right, here we go. Greetings, and welcome to A Star to Steer Her By, the Star Trek podcast, episode 290. Whoa, Ooh. really? Title, To Be Determined. <laughs> uh, my name is Jake, and today I'm joined by... Chris. Chris. Your holographic date, Ames. And your date from engineering who's really bad around women, Caitlin. Ah. That tracks. <laughs> I should have called myself Colonel Pickering. Yeah, clearly. You should have. Uh, but we'll get to that because, uh, yeah. Well, thank God. Yeah, so we'll this today week, this podcast week, we will be pod podding about two Star Trek The Voyager episodes, Juggernaut, and someone to watch over me. Someone to watch me quietly from the shadows while I sleep. This isn't Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Yeah, so in Juggernaut, which is not about, like, a really delicious donut, it is in fact about some other thing. I don't I don't know where the name comes from. Maybe it's something to do with jugs. Didn't like one of jugs? them say Juggernaut know. at one point? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like one of them said Juggernaut at one point. Who knows? Maybe we'll find out next week on A Star to Steer Her By. Or right now, I'll give you the, the definition from MiriamWebster.com. Dot com. Juggernaut, noun, a massive, inexorable force, campaign, movement, or object that crushes whatever is in its path. Oh, or okay, yeah. the, or I guess the, that... the British uh, definition, a large, heavy truck. Mm, I guess that describes Bellana well enough, so I'll take it. <laughs> or the Marvel Comics definition, Charles Xavier's, like, half-brother, who's actually not a mutant, but magically powered, depending on the continuity. And mm. he's the Juggernaut, bitch. Mm. Bitch. All right. Well, anyway, bitch, let's keep going. Um, so in Juggernaut, where are we at? So Bellana is getting some anger management training from Tuvok. Fucking finally. Who, well, apparently she she flipped out, broke some shit, broke the doctor's camera. Finally. Yeah, exactly. I'm saying she's doing yeah. everybody a favor. She is. But she broke the doctor's camera and then she got her punishment was to have to spend time with Tuvok. And he tries to teach her how to meditate. And, it, you know, she doesn't really take to it. But, you know, she's going to give it a try, I guess. Doesn't um, really take to it. She fucking laughs in his face. That's true. So, anywho, we're tooling along in Voyager. And we're like, huh. Uh, I don't remember how we detected it. But we detected that there's uh, some debris. Oh, oh, yeah. It was an SOS. That's right. From like a, like a distress signal. And they pull up. And there's a bunch of escape pods. And turns out only two people in this, like, many escape pods are actually alive. Whoops. So we beam them on and wake them up and, oh my god, it's some Malons. Uh, you'll remember them. They are the polluting-iest people in the galaxy who just tool around in their little ships dumping fart gas out and poisoning poisoning oh, the uh, space. Yep. That was Chris uh, dumping his fart gas out of his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Now it smells like fart gas in here. Yeah, so so we learned that the uh, that these uh, these two guys were on this Malon ship and something went wrong. They had to abandon ship. Most of the people still died from this horrible radiation and the ship, well, it's just continuing on its way. 
And if it blows up, which it will, mm-hmm. it's going to take out like this entire sector or something. It's take out a large amount of space. So we better get the fuck away and warn other ships. But oh no, the radiation is fucking with the warp drive. So we can't. Dun, so dun, I, dun. our only thing to do now is to go and board the poison ship and try to disable it or shut it down or fix it or do something. So that's what we do. Off screen, the doctor invents something to make them immune to the radiation for a little while. We board the ship. The, the Malons are like, dude, this is fucking stupid, okay? We're the dumbest people in the universe, and we wouldn't even do this. Plus, <laughs> um, there could be some kind of griffin-like creature. Oh, right, yeah. Also, there's this. There's like legends of a ghost that lives in the poison gas. But, pe- but they're like, no, no, it's just hallucinations you get when you are exposed to the poison fucking gas everywhere. So uh, we beam over the ship and we start, you know, we have to go like deck by deck to op- to like vent the shit into space somehow for some reason. Anyway, we climb up through the ship. At one point, like an airlock opens unexpectedly and causes uh, Chakotay uh, to get bo- bonked out. Uh, yeah, he gets, has to get. It must have been the Griffin creature. Yeah, he has to get he has to get rescued. One of the two Malons that we beamed over claims that he gets attacked by the monster and then dies because of radiation poisoning and other injuries. Yeah, so by the time we get to the to like the bridge, it's it's really just uh let's see who's left. It's Belana and Neelix and yeah, because Neelix is on this mission uh, because of his experiences with trash. Yes, <laughs> um, and our best friend. Our best friend, Fesek. And Fesek, the surviving Malon. And they're in the bridge and they're like, okay, we can, we got like 10 seconds left. And Janeway's like, listen, if you can't figure this shit out in the next three seconds, we're going to blow you up. I mean, not actually blow you up because then that would blow us up. No, we're going to dump you into a sun. So hurry up. So they're trying to work as fast as they can. Meanwhile, like the ship's already been kind of directed towards the sun, which seems like it would have been a good plan A, if you ask me. Yeah. Because it seems to have solved all the problems. Mm -hmm. But anyway, carrying on, while they're doing this, they get sealed in the bridge somehow. And oh my god, it's the monster. The monster's real. (laughs) But it's not a monster. It was a Malon guy the whole time. A core worker. Yeah, he was a core worker. And uh, it turns out that he is. there is kind of a Phantom of the Opera situation going on here. (gasps) Who knew? Uh, because uh yeah he's he's like been uh he's horribly maimed by the exposure to the shit and now he's vowed revenge because he's like they don't give a shit about us they let us work in that fucking shithole poison area and turns us into monsters clearly oh and by the way in the meantime he's already knocked out neelix and uh and fesic so balan is the only one left to deal with him and, and he's like and she's like listen don't you fuck they're gonna kill us I can help you. We have the cure for your disease, or at least, you know, maybe we can treat you or do something. And he's like, no, I'm too angry to do that. So I'm going to continue to kill us all. At which point I interjected and suggested she try kissing him because that that works at the end of Phantom of the Opera. Oh, there you go. So yeah, so, but she doesn't. She goes back to Bellana Basics and uh, beats the ever-living shit out of him with 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 a rod and Evidently, I mean, if she doesn't kill him, the sun that this ship flies into shortly thereafter definitely did. So uh, he's dead now. Oh, um, that guy. And so they managed to be- get off of the Malon ship just in the nick of time. And uh, everybody's okay. Well, except for the Phantom of the Opera and the other Malon who got um, uh, killed. But, you know, all the important people are fine. 
And Balana, you know, she's feeling a little guilty about having, you know, kind of lost control. But what else was she going to fucking do? So, she, you know what she does? She does what any of us does. She takes a shower, washes the grime off, also washes the shame off at the same time. So, there you have it, folks. You certainly Juggernaut. do. So, um, yeah, it was weird. Like, I, was Balana not available? Is that why they brought in season one Balana? Mmm, hey. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, she felt really like, yeah, it just, it felt like season one Balana. She's extra angry and doesn't seem to trust Janeway. And it's like, didn't we deal with both of these things at some point? Well, as I suggested while we were watching, perhaps this was uh, part of their plan to phase her out because uh, it worked with Kess, you know, yeah. doing some med- meditations with Tuvok. That seems like a... <laughs> Well, also, I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe this Balana is a little more of an interesting character than more recent yeah. Balana. I'm sure it's easier to write for her when she has more traits. Yeah, but the, the thing is, it's like it's been Any so traits at all. <laughs> it's been so long since they like. I, I guess I suppose it was really honestly less the anger issues that seemed outdated, and more the attitude towards Janeway and her and Chakotay kind of being standoffish about it. It's like, we haven't done this in a very long time. What is happening? I don't know. I can see getting very, very angry at EMH if he were underfoot in engineering, trying to document shit while you're working and just being like, doctor, fucking stop, smash. Oh yeah, I would do that. (laughs) I I mean, I I feel like she, you know, should have just deactivated him and kicked him out. Because like, dude, if the chief of engineering says get the fuck out of engineering... So yeah, like I said, I guess her being angry, like, whatever. It was everything, like I said, though, just, like, other aspects felt like early Balana that is long over, you know, her integration with the crew and her and Chakotay butting heads over her not being integrated seemed weird. It's just, you know, it felt outdated. I mean, just in general, this episode feels like it might be out of sequence just from the fact that they encounter the Malon, who they haven't seen in... A season, I think. Like no, earlier were... this season. Yeah, the season premiere, I think, was when we met them. No, oh. it feels like they should be well beyond the range of the uh, the Malons by now, though. Well, yeah, Malons, well. we've we've seen use wormholes to go dump their shit, so who knows where they go? Mm. So I will agree that it does feel a bit out of sequence in that we have angry ripshit Bolana in the next episode as well, and you feel like if we went through this where she is actively, um, you know, trying meditation in the middle of catastrophe that we might not see that sort of the reaction that we see in the next episode. Being fair, that anger is also justified. I agree. Just like I agreed last time you said it. Yes, but we weren't recording that. No, I know. I'm just saying, I agree with what you say. I just feel like her threatening to break someone's nose is a bit much. We're, We're justifying the anger... But it's the the relationships uh, that, that we're talking weird. about. Yeah, I don't know. Right, None well, of it bothered everybody. Me. That's fair. And like Jake said, it just seems so weird that like it feels like the minute they figured out the sun plan, they just should have been like, "All right, never mind. We're beeping you back. This is better." Yeah, because like, what was the point of doing all the work on the ship if like the ship was going to be unusable regardless i assume right like it's not like they were trying to salvage it yeah they're trying to prevent the explosion also if you can just dump the shit into into an o-class star or whatever it was 
that seems like a great solution for the Malons going forward. Like, just just throw your trash at the sun and that solves it. I don't know. Does it? Is that an ideal solution? A great seem to work. A great solution is bypassing the Malon garbage scow people and going straight to their like leaders with the warp designs that won't generate all this toxic waste. Yeah. yeah, the ideal scenario is to send Greta Thunberg to Malon Space and she'll take care of it. I mean, although based on what they have said in this, it sounds like it's possible that their entire society's economy is based on this arrangement, not just the yeah. horrors. My jobs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is an occupational hazard is on their Malon crest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, I feel like I'd have bought the whole thing with the angry Phantom of the Opera gremlin monster guy. Dremp. If, like, Dremp, if they, like, hadn't, like, it sounds like he signed up for this willingly, you know? That's because they give them lots and lots and lots of money. But then he's like, they used me! It's like, but allegedly you knew what you were signing up for? Yeah, but they told you that they were going to use you. Yeah, but you never think it's going to happen to you, though, is the thing. You think, oh, yeah, I'm going to make all this money, and oh, no, what's happening? Why am I getting killed all of a sudden? Damn it, I I didn't actually want this. I suppose so, but I feel like it would have been more effective if, like, it turns out that people who worked in the Corps were forced into it for one reason or another. Or lied to about Well, I mean, they might be, right? Like, there's such a thing as wage slavery, right? You know? Yeah, but none none of that was made explicit enough that it was just, like... Yeah, I mean, what I kind of took from it is that, you know, and maybe I'm just projecting too much real world social stuff onto Malon society. but And Star Trek? Never. Never. <laughs> but like, I don't know. My impression is that Malon, as, you know, as Fesic says, oh, it's a beautiful world, but it's beautiful because there's this entire underclass of people that spend their entire lives, short lives, mm-hmm. I should add dealing with the consequences of having that particular society. So there's probably lots of people on the Malon homeworld that are well off and mm. would never even come in contact oh, yeah, with this Yeah, the oil stuff. tycoons of, of yeah, their Yeah, exactly. So, and then like the lower you are on the social order and the more desperate you are, yeah. uh, the more likely you are to take these really hazardous jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, being think, fair to Dremk, I don't think they knew that they could mutate into yeah, monsters. True, He true. assumed he would just die of radiation poisoning. Yeah, and I guess also his brain is probably half melted. I like, was surprised I, he was sentient at all. <laughs> true. I think what would have made this better was just ditch the, like, Balana's anger issues subplot, because it seems like what they were doing was after a couple of sort of cartoonish appearances of the Malons, they're suddenly trying to make them a more rounded culture in the space of one episode, but not enough of the episode is devoted to that aspect of it. Well, we've also, yeah, that's true. And we've seen, you know, the previous Malon that we've encountered have basically been assholes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Fesic is the first one that we've seen that seems like a fairly reasonable person. Yeah, I liked him a lot. Yeah, and, I, I mean, it also the, helps that he was played by Ron Canada, who I think is great. Yeah, who was the prosecutor uh, in Worf's uh, court-martial. Yeah. Yeah, the, mom- the moment he starts talking, I'm like, oh, that's a great voice. Wait a minute, why do I know this voice? <laughs> we, we basically did the same thing. Kim was like, was he a Jim Hadar? It was like, oh no, he was a Klingon in DS9. Mm. He was also in the Masterpiece Society, I yeah, think. Yeah, he was our black friend. <laughs> yes. Um, 
Yeah, the Mashpee Society would be the kind who have like a one black guy. And, like, see, they we're racist. We said at the time. <laughs> Did we? Okay, great. I like completely forgot about that episode until I was looking up his credits. I was like, oh yeah, that shitty episode. But yeah, yeah I, don't know. I thought I thought he was good in this, and I thought he having was. having a very reasonable, rational Malon who's like, yes, I'm aware that our society is very problematic, but what are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. I I just like the one. Uh, you know, obviously we can't have a full like season long plot no. uh, Why involving not? the Malon, but it does seem to me as though the implication at the end here is like, I don't know how I'm going to explain this, but you know, I think the idea there would be like, oh, maybe this will lead to some change in Malon society, but I, I don't necessarily see that as being true. But, yeah. Because like, yeah. there's like two important pieces of information here. The fact that, yeah, the people that work in the core can turn into monsters so like all these reports of monsters and like they go they not they don't just turn like physically turn into monsters they go crazy and i think the my i don't know if it was explicitly stated but i think the implication was that everything that went wrong even at the start with mm-hmm. the thing the reason they had to abandon ship was the ground was due to yeah. sabotage by by the monster so not only do they like turn into monsters and go crazy they'll also try to deliberately sabotage the ship perhaps and the consequences of one of these ships blowing up or whatever is like devastating because it can yeah. just like take out a huge region of space and make it uninhabitable. Yep. So Someone really, the, the Malons, the Mal- like Belana says at one point to Chakotay, probably too loud and too close to the Malon. She says, these people are the scourge of the galaxy or, or the scourge of the quadrant. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of agree because yeah. they're just they're just like they're awful. They're really bad. And like the people are probably fine, as we see. Like, you know, Fessick is fine. Mm-hmm. And he's and a sculptor. Buddy, yeah, he's a sculptor in his spare time when he's not killing himself on this ship. But yeah, clearly their government and, you know, capitalist, you know, uh, setup here or whatever is, uh, is really fucking bad. Super bad. It's one thing to destroy your own planet's ecosystem and pollute it and be an asshole. It's another thing when you go out into space and ruin everybody else's time yeah well they were perfectly okay with destroying the night alien space yeah because you know what it's if our we have millions of people on malon prime and they're all living it up in the lap of luxury uh so you know what's a couple of these guys lives compared to that yeah yeah Yeah. i mean it's only a matter of time though because it's not like the malon are super powerful you know there's not like like even voyager on its own could (laughs) could you know handle one of their ships i maybe maybe think tank can can, uh, take care of it oh oh no think tank but like yeah it's only a matter of time before they piss off the wrong people and get wiped out you know but they do have a built-in super defense they're stinky they'll just just fart all over you yeah if you blow up one of those ships like their ships actually are a version of the corbamite maneuver (laughs) only worse it's like we won't just this explosion won't just fuck you up. It will fuck up a couple of light years of space. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah. Yeah, that's when you attack their home world. Mm. Invade that. Oh, wow. But again, they just they just surround it with those fucking garbage scows. And... Hmm. Yeah, I'm also certain, like, whoever the people on top who, who have all the power, they certainly know about this whole... The, the creatures that they're supposed to turn into are called the Vihar. And I bet you they know exactly what those are. Mm. 
Like, oh yeah, it's a it's a mythical radioactive creature. That's what it is. You're just hallucinating. That's what I want. I, I want the like Verhoven treatment for this society. In that I just like I, I picture sort of like his take on the if we actually went to their home world, I'd love to see his version of the culture. Mm. And then we wipe them out like the bugs? No, I was thinking more Robocop. Oh, than, um, okay. See, I'm thinking Starship Troopers. So. Yeah, sorry. I was, yeah, I was going earlier. Speaking of other uh, thing influences from other things, did anybody else, was anybody else picking up major Ellen Ripley vibes from Bellana towards yep. the end? Yep. No, but I love it. I mean, from like the tank, you know, she was basically stripped down to a tank top and like covered so in so filthy sweat and filth. I and love that. Beating the shit out of an, of an alien monster. Like, you can't get more Ripley than that. I don't know. Yeah, there's no cat. I said the same thing while we were watching it. Uh, Neelix. Sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the whole ship too, very like the guts of the Nostromo. Mm. With yeah, like, like very... three times as much smoke. Like just yes. like fog everywhere. I wonder what that was like to act in. I mean, whenever I listen to like the Delta Flyers episode, I wonder if they'll talk about it. Yeah. Because I can't like... imagine. Because it's also, if it's like fo- like a fog machine, those things are not warm they're cold they're usually pretty cold mm. yeah yeah i don't know yeah i actually thought that that the way that that scene was shot was was pretty good when the when the room was filled with the fog it felt like a horror mo- episode yeah it did and like and, and like f- actually fairly well executed and, and suspenseful i thought which is a you know, a rarity a rarity <laughs> right yeah because the whole thing like oh god is that gonna be the monster oh no that's just neelix looking disgusting is that gonna be yeah. the monster oh no that's the other melon guy he's fine well yeah and then he gets attacked and just vanishes like i was like what Did he, <laughs> is he dead like what happened to him well didn't balana hit the wrong one of them over the head or something i don't think so oh uh, he just i might maybe I, I may have missed it but no i think she hit the right one oh. yeah i think we're left to assume she hit the right one because i think at that point fesic was collapsed on the floor See, I, I thought because they were I know they showed her like trying to figure out who to, she was supposed to hit. And then because like when the smoke cleared, Fesic was gone and the other one was still standing. I thought maybe she'd fucked up and hit Fesic. Mm. Uh, no, I thought I thought that at that point there was still there was only one guy left standing already. Yeah, it's, it's possible. But yeah, I all, like Jake also brought up in the intro. It seemed weird. Like it felt like the episode ran short when she had her like sad in the shower. It was like. Like, why are you upset? You tried to do the right thing. It's not your fault this guy was beyond reason and you had to thwack him. She, the way they were having her portray it was like she was upset that she'd failed or something. And it's like, you, you tried. You did good. Failing would have been not even trying, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that scene was a little perplexing as well. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I didn't... I like the effect of the sonic shower. That was cool. Yeah, but, that was cool. Um, yeah, one thing I'll say cool. about that scene, because I actually appreciated that scene an awful lot, because even though Bolana strips down and goes into a shower, it is not at all sexy. No, God, no. Like, no. It, that is, she is there to clean, and she is yeah. not there for us to ogle her. And they yeah. don't make her really ogleable. They just, they just, it is just part of what she is doing, and I give them a lot of props for that. Yeah. Though I will say, just from a in a in a in universe perspective, I get why they have to do it. But Sonic showers look like they suck. <laughs> like what part looks sucky. The door it probably is like the deepest clean ever, but there is no way it's as satisfying as a nice hot shower. Yeah. You don't know, you don't know what it feels like though. It could feel like all nice and tingly and warm. 
Yeah, I don't know. We just, see it. Yeah. Uh, we see the Sonic showers a bunch in uh, lower decks. Oh, and it just looks. It looks satisfying. Yeah. See, from this, it just looks like you stand there and it like whoop whoop whoops the dirt off. And again, it looks very thorough. I'm not saying you don't get clean, but I'm just like you know. I was. I said to Caitlin, I was like, I'm with Neelix. I want a bath after this. Yeah. Why not both? Yeah. Why not both? Use the Sonic shower to do the clean, and then the bath to relax. Kind of what Caitlin said. That's too. what I said. I said go. It's Japanese, Japanese style. style. Shower first and then bath. Yep. That's funny. I always do the other way around because then you have to wa- then you have to shower off all the filth from the bath. Well, that's why you shower first to get the filth off, mm-hmm. and then you and just then... sit in the warm to like. But then you got to shower that off. Well, it's just water at that point. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh well, I do bubble if bath. If you're clean, so. then your water is uh, clean mostly. Yeah, yeah. If, if if it's just water, water. Yes, you're right. If it was a bubble bath or something, you'd have. If to... it's not a bubble bath, why fucking take it? Uh, <laughs> you're raising a good point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I I haven't taken a bath in decades. So a dingo. I just I just shower. I love a bath. Yeah, especially in the in like the winter when it's cold and you're like ah hot bath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wish tubs. I just wish like standard tubs were bigger. Well, you're a large man, Jake. Yeah. You're well, very that's the thing. Tall. Like, I cannot. I like I, I. One time I stayed in a hotel room that had a pretty large tub, so I was like, you know, I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a soak. Uh, but even that was like, yeah. The part and like the water doesn't stay cold or uh, warm very long; it cools off quickly. Mm. Mm, you know. So you're saying we should I, get a jacuzzi? Okay, a ju- I'm up yeah, for well, this. Yeah, Ooh. clearly a jacuzzi is the way to go. keeps the keeps the water warm. It's bubbly. You can throw your soup in there. Yep. Yeah. It's got a filter, so you can piss in it. Oh, no, you can't. You don't. Please don't. Uh, so yeah. not to change the subject, but I'm going to change the subject. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Because we're suddenly talking about peeing in a jacuzzi. Um, <laughs> like we do. <laughs> yeah. Did did your notes say anything about the model of the ship the guy had at the opening of the episode? Oh, yeah. That was weird. Oh, the oh, the little model. Yeah. Uh, that he was going to give the sun. No, I didn't. It didn't. Not that I saw. I was kind of wondering, because like, so Jake might be familiar with this. But back in the day, before First Contact came out, one of the, like, Star Trek books had a version of what would eventually become the Phoenix. Uh, I don't think they called it anything. It was just Cochrane's warp ship. And the model looked a lot like the drawing they did in the book of mm. what Cochrane's warp ship originally was until First Contact came out and changed the design. That's yeah, I wasn't if... familiar with that, but that's interesting. Yeah, I know actually when they, when they even started making First Contact... They tried to design it to kind of look like that earlier version, but we're like, we just can't make this design work with the built out of a missile idea. So it was abandoned. Yeah. And that is kind of an important part of the idea. Yeah. But um, I was wondering if maybe it had been like a model of that that they had made and then used as something else. Since now it definitely wasn't the Phoenix. If it was, I didn't see any reference, but I could also have missed it. I did yeah. appreciate that this this Malon is the is like Wash from Serenity playing with toys. I will call it this land. <laughs> I thought that was quite cute. It was. What was much less cute was uh, Neelix trying to make himself soup, not in a jacuzzi. Um, oh God! To oh, yeah. make yeah, himself horrid. more resistant to the radiation, and yeah, I didn't need that. Well, it yeah, also like didn't really scene. come up. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. it was a gagging reflex. Something else was going to come up. Yeah. yeah, the noises. Yeah, it was pretty vile. I mean, the whole time, the whole time they're wandering around the ship, 
It's like, oh, the doctor's gonna make us less radioactive proof or more radioactive proof. And Neelix uses soup to make him, you know, survive better in the radiation. And I'm just there, like, pulling out my hair saying, use an EV suit, please. <laughs> yeah, I think the implication, though, is that the whatever this radiation is, this theta radiation is, like, it'll pass, it'll just pass through clothes or even even like a suit. Yeah, but we went down to Demon Planet, and it was only because the Silver Blood aliens penetrated the suit physically. <laughs> hot that that anything got into them. Like it, it, if an EV suit could survive Demon Planet, it can survive this ship. Well, yeah, but I mean, we don't know about this this radiation, right? If it's depend, like there's like even um like gamma radiation, which is real, is going to pass through a lot of materials that's well, this why is like theta radiation i know which so one's we, that all, well i don't know but for all we know it's it'll pass through you know you, there's like just not enough shielding that you could put on a um on an ev suit to to, to protect you from it yeah G- gamma radiation makes a hulk theta radiation makes a uh uh vihar yes <laughs> i don't know i think they at the very least then they should have said we can't use EV suits because plot, 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 pl- convenience and all this mm. shit. You want to see our faces. Yeah, I mean, if the hull of the Voyager wouldn't even protect them, I feel like there's little help, hope of a suit. Yeah. Hmm. Did you guys catch the reference to our best friend Daniel Bird? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I, me- I meant to mention that in the description, but <gasps> it turns out that Harry Kim's buddy, Danny Bird was Belana's bully growing up. Okay, I thought that name was familiar. Which means that in the alternate timeline where Harry stayed on Earth and Danny Bird got assigned to Voyager... That's awkward. There's a very... That's an awkward series I want to see where (laughs) Belana is even angrier and and more... uh, Is there a series where where Taurus can be angrier? I don't know, but she, she apparently hates the Danny Bird character on that show. Rightly fucking so. Where was the teacher to stop this little racist? Yeah, what an asshole. Like, what the fuck? You know what? I'm glad Danny Bird got stranded in the Delta Quadrant in that alternate timeline. Because <laughs> Bellana probably fucking killed him. Mm-hmm. Yes. Got her revenge. Yep. 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 That is it. There's a... Not gonna lie, pretty forgettable episode in a lot of ways. Oh no, but come on, there was that one scene where they were like, "Yeah, but there's this myth about about this about this monster," and Chakotay's like, "A myth? What is it?" And they're like, "Well, it's a story that's passed on generation to generation, but that's not important right now." Uh... Speaking of familiar stories, someone to watch over me. Ah, yes, yes. So from the Phantom of the Opera in this episode, we go straight into My Fair Borg. I don't know. I couldn't think of anything better. Borgmalian? Yeah, that's true. Borgmalian I like. Borgmalian, yeah. Either way. Um, If only it was Cyrano de Borgerac, that would have been better. uh, Ah, God. Maybe another day. They already did that in a TNG episode. DS9. Yeah. Oh, you're oh, thinking yeah, of that one. With, uh... I'm thinking the one where they literally did Cyrano de Bergerac with, right, with right. Barkley. I'm oh, thinking yeah, the one where, where Quark uses Worf to woo Grilka. Yeah. Yes. Oh, There's yeah, that one that's as well. a great... Uh, that's another one. That's a good one. But yes. Anyway, yeah, so here we are on the Voyager where we're getting ready to host a ambassador 
from some religious order, I guess, planet that's really ultra-religious, or maybe he's just a monk. I don't know. Anyway. He's from Jane, Canada. Yeah. So Jane, yeah, he no, is from no, Canada. No, no, Ron Canada's in the other episode. Uh, <laughs> yes. But there were a lot of scenes of him walking around hallways, so makes sense. <laughs> oh, um, I the audience doesn't get the joke yet, but all right. Yeah, that's true. Anywho, Tuvok and Janeway are going to be beaming down to visit this monastery or whatever, and one of the monks is going to come to the ship, and Neelix is going to host him and... Um, be as bland Neel- as possible. Be, yeah, exactly. Because because these are like ultra religious people, there's all these rules and like they can't eat food with any flavor. They're, you got to pray 300 times an hour. And there's just all these rules that, that Neelix is preparing for. Uh, and that ends up sort of being the B plot. So I'll just go through that whole plot and then get to the A plot. So it beams up and turns out that the that the monk that's visiting yeah he he kind of's got this pious thing but then he drops the the facade pretty quickly and is like you know what neelix i want to try the your spiciest foods because you know i never you know variety is a spice of life neelix is like uh okay and then it just gets progressively more and more crazy the shit this guy wants to do he's hanging out with holodeck hookers he's <laughs> uh he wants to to get shit-faced and party all the time he ends it turns out that his species lacks the enzymes to break down synthahol so it'll just stay in the system forever or something which hysterically the the main concern was he'll just stay drunk forever as opposed to you know just dying which is what i assumed would happen like Uh, no he's just gonna be drunk and i was like well that's i mean well synthahol is different synthahol we don't quite I don't think it's quite the same as alcohol, so who knows? No. I suppose not. Yeah, because it's supposed. Yeah, synthahol is supposed to not give you not kill sickness, you. not make you sick. But well, he still was hungover as shit the next day. Yeah, Explain but again, that. that's because he lacked the the enzymes. So we gave him the enzymes. No, we gave him nanoprobes. Oh. Yeah. But, but anywho, yeah. So basically. In the end, like, he's done all this crazy stuff, and he's really nervous. He's like, oh, man, my boss is going to find out. I got shit-faced and did all this stuff. And then his boss beams back, and he's like, so did you do anything crazy while I was gone? How and many hookers? And Neelix is like, nope, nope. We did all we did all the all the uh, very uh, pious, very, you know, we, we, did, we stuck to the itinerary. And then the boss is like, huh, I was hoping you would have gotten laid. Hmm. <laughs> At least tried uh, some h- hasperit. Yeah, I was hoping that you would have done some crazy shit. So, like, what is that that feels almost like, um, what is it like when, uh, Amish children oh, go out for their year of yeah, walkabout? Yeah. I-, I said that during the episode. Oh, did you? I did. Oh, I didn't hear you say yeah. it. Wow. Yeah, so there's sort of like a uh moment in the episode. <laughs> but anyway, so that's just the B plot. Back to the A plot. Earlier... Do you, uh, don't you mean the TNA plot? Yeah. So uh, Tom and Balan are having a romantic dinner, and they look over their shoulder in, in the... Uh, I don't know why they're having the romantic dinner at Neelix's, because I can't think of anything less romantic. The food but, looked so, good. Sure. It did, actually. Uh, Aside from the bland cheese he suggested was dessert. And Balan is like, you know, Tom, Seven and Nine standing over there, and I'm pretty sure she's staring at us. So she goes over, she confronts Seven, and she's like, Seven's like, yeah, yeah, I've been, I've been studying you. Here's my notes. And it's got like, <laughs> here's when they boned. And there's a great joke about how loud they are when they bone. Here's uh, when Bolana was on the rag. Yeah. So like Bolana's like, you fucking bitch. And then and like Tom's like, wow. Um, <laughs> great Tom impression, Jake. <laughs> um, fight, get the mud. 
Yeah, exactly. No, the mud was Jerry, in the previous episode. Jerry, Jerry, mm, That's true. Um, Jesus Christ. So anywho, yeah, it almost comes to blows, but it, we defuse the situation. And then Seven's going to the doctor and and she and he's like, you know what? Maybe instead of studying people from a from afar, you should like study human mating by mating and like get, having a relationship. So I'm going to do this Henry Higgins Pygmalion thing with you. So then the, the rest of the episode is more or less these lessons that the doctor is trying to get. And some of them are hilarious. Complete uh, because, little rain in Spain. Uh, yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, so, they do, so they're doing these lessons. And then, of course, perhaps expectedly, the doctor starts to find that he begins having feelings for Seven of Nine. He so he falls makes a, in love every day, though. That's A little true. bit. So he makes a wager with Tom to be like, listen, I guarantee that Seven of Nine will not only bring a date to the, the, the ambassador's fucking thing, that she'll leave with the same date. And it will go smashingly, and that's the you know the wager from from the from the story. Of course, expectedly, seven of nine figures it out uh, when oh, Tom, Tom fucking like, states yeah, it yeah, straight. Tom, Tom has yeah. a big fucking mouth. Tom has a big mouth. Outs the doctor and ruins the the budding romance between the doctor and seven. And yeah, and that's uh, and then you know, but then seven being seven is like doesn't hold a grudge. She's just like, yeah, no, we're friends, but. Nothing more, and then the doctor makes a holodeck program so he can pretend that they're in a romance, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. And she gives him an upgraded tricorder, which he takes as a token of love, I guess. No, friendship. Yeah, That's why he's so bummed. Yeah. So anyway, that's it. That's pretty much what happens. And women, when you put in nice and they don't put out sex, am I right? Yeah. When... When I read the episode description, I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is going to be Voyager does Pygmalion. He did say that. But I didn't expect it was going to be like almost 1-1. Yeah, mm. like beat for beat. Like when Tom showed up and I was like, oh my God, he's going to be fucking pickering. Yep. It's like, oh, that was unnecessary. Like, I get it. People redo Pygmalion all the time, but like. What? Do they? It's an old exhausted story. Please stop redoing Pygmalion. No one needs it. Yeah, like, if you're not gonna do some genuinely interesting thing with it, like, they could have done something, but they just did it one for one. No, and that's the other thing about, like, something like a Pygmalion is, that, like, you're, you're, you're treating Seven like what she already is isn't gr- already great. And she's already great. She just doesn't know how to socialize. Right. In a way that people are comfortable with. She does how to socialize, just in her own special way. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. Why, no. You don't have to teach her, like, this is the response you give in this situation, because that's not who she is. Why also, make someone change to someone more boring? She's also developed a very dry sense of humor that I appreciate a lot. I do. I do, too. Yeah. I have a question about Seven and about that just came into my mind for the first time, which is probably obvious to everybody else. But I know that like a lot of the Star Trek fan community, especially folks who are on the autism spectrum, have found Data to be a very likable and relatable character. Is there a similar outcry for Seven? I think know? there definitely is. I think I've seen. Yeah, I've, people ju- I've say just that never before. seen it. I see it about Data all the time. But like you're right. I mean that's exactly right. Like she has, she is great. She has a great personality. She doesn't need to change. Well, except you know when we bring her back for Picard, and she's just you know. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. A normie now. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's yeah, true. I think, yeah, I, I like Seven just the way she is. 
Yeah, yeah. I actually kind of, you know, I feel bad for her first date because I feel like he was kind of into it too before she broke his shit. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty good match because they were both like, we're both awkward. It's cute. Well, plus, like, he didn't even seem that mad. Like, I kind of feel like if she hadn't torn his ligament. Yeah, when he he said we should do this again, I think it was in earnest. I I think he meant it. After his arm has healed. And listen, Bellana and Paris, uh, just, you know, just like Dax and Worf before them, you know, probably know strangers to you know injuries after sex oh no see the reason everyone knows when they fuck isn't because they're having crazy loud klingon sex it's because whenever they're done tom lively cries for like 20 minutes (laughs) screaming i'm sorry father i'm sorry wow that's (sighs) just upsetting he also shouts out captain proton blast off as he's uh yes perfect thank you jake yikes oh god speaking of robert duncan keneal though oh yeah Poor fucker gets to direct the episode, but they can't give him a good dress uniform. What was wrong with his dress uniform? It was too big. It, it was, was, it was very clearly a hand-me-down, because, like, the collar was huge. And also, and this probably wasn't as obvious on little, you know, CRTs in 99 or whatever, but blown up, you know, even without it be, you know, I know it's not remastered, but you can see, like, so many of the little, like, bits of metal in the piping are just mm. gone. Yeah. Like, I've just clearly fallen off. Like, this This was not a well-maintained costume. Where's this? Whereas, wait, where's the bits of metal? Like, like the, the, on his yeah, dress the uniform, color. the, like, on the oh, collar. The, okay, the, the the piping. Yeah, yeah. The, like, you could see, because it's made up of, like, a lot of individual little pieces of metal, and a lot of them were just fucking yeah, gone. They were probably, like, just beads or something. Yeah, that yeah, that had come off. That had fallen out. But, like, yeah, you know, you know like, they... they Mulgrew had a very nice fitted one. Where what little you saw of of of, of, of um, fucking Tuvok, Tuvok. his real name. Tim his, Russ. his was Tim Russ. Tim Russ, thank you. His was fine, but did McNeil you have the was... same problem in Course Oblivion when they were getting married? I didn't notice it there, but I might not have been looking closely enough or something. Mm-hmm. But also in that one, he was a lieutenant, not a. That's uh, true. He had a... another pip to draw the eye. Yeah, not, not just a little ensign. Yeah. Every but time they t- call him Ensign, I kind of giggle. Yeah. <laughs> I feel um, bad about, but... But yeah, he, um... Yeah, I don't know. The uh, Yeah, I, I imagine they just are reusing... Oh, definitely. ...past, like, this is probably, like, Riker's dress uniform or oh, something. Oh, he's very tall. Yeah, mm. well, that might be why the jacket was too small for him. Man, it's just like, oh, God, it's so beaten up. It's like, did you guys, like, dig that out of a box? Like, Jesus. Hmm. Well, you could always say, well, maybe that uh, Paris doesn't take care of his. Yeah, it's true. Maybe he just, like, uh... I mean, here's the thing, though. In a world where replicators exist, like... But they, remember, they, they, they can't replicate as freely on Voyager. That's true. Sometimes. That's true. So, so maybe he some, had to yeah. replicate it, like, once, and then... Yeah. Like, I'm not wasting replicator rations on a new shirt. I want a hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> oh, ditto. Oh, no, I want a hamburger. <laughs> Sorry. Damn it. Last week we did the same thing. We were talking about the Wendy's sandwich. Yeah, going back to costumes. One thing yes. I noticed, so EMH says when he designed the special uniform for Seven because it needs mm. to, you know, allow Borg something or other to happen in it. MacGuffin, MacGuffin, MacGuffin. Bad, bad explanation for, oh, for sure. horny costume. That he said, oh, I, I created a whole bunch of ca- casual outfits for you too. I just never showed them to you for some stupid reason because you look so hot in this one. Ugh. 
Well, I mean, that's true. Yeah, here, I made you this this replica Starfleet uniform. (laughs) What I realized, though, is like, how much did he design? It's like a casual outfit and also this cocktail dress, it's which is like, very okay, nice. I know I know, we talk about The Sims all the time, so I'm going to do it mm. again. Uh, it's like when you create a character in the create a character screen, um, yeah. and you get to come up with all the different outfits they get to wear. Yeah, it's fun. And you got, now you got your jammies, you got to have your formal, you got to have your sportswear, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. swimsuit. Yeah, so I was thinking about it more like the doctor playing with Barbies, like <laughs> get, getting all the different, like there's going to be like a, a safari seven and... Uh, <gasps> You know, with, with like that's the, the expansion the, pack, <laughs> right? You know, Ar- Arctic Adventure Seven. Um, all, all, all no, the, I didn't all catch things. you playing with your dolls again, sir. <laughs> yeah. I was just about to say that you. I see the thing though is Tom wouldn't be like I didn't see you. He'd be like, hey, play with dolls, huh? <laughs> can I? Loser. Can I play too? <laughs> no, I think he'd play too. All right, so Tom. so we got the 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 new outfit. What did you guys think of the uh, the dress? That we put seven in. I thought it was kind of sexy. Uh, it was fine. I, I don't know. I, no, I, don't, I think maybe. the way it dripped, ar- drape, drip, draped around her chest the boob? in some area. Yeah, there was like a boob that just kind of yeah. hung out of part yeah. of it. Which I don't like, like an asymmetrical boob. I, I, I'm not going to lie. Well, was... you know, Ames, most women have one breast larger than the other. Oh, ditto. So... For sure. I, I honestly, I've already kind of forgotten what it looked like. It was just oh. it sort was, of silvery and lumpy. Blue, blue. Lumpy. I thought it was more bluey. It was like it was like a lilacy. Yeah, but it was, it was a little purplish. And, but it I, had like it had an, like a lot of like draped fabric up around the. That's chest. what I meant by lumpy. There's just a lot of draping going on. Yeah. Yeah, and then I, I, swooping under one boob, but not the other boob. So that it yeah, just that made was the thing. It was swooping. It was swooping under the boob that just oh, kind of was like. Mm. I guess I'm too busy. You guys are never happy. She's in skin tight, not possible to move, breathe, or sit with like corset boning. Oh, it was oh, still skin that's, tight. That's yeah. bad. Oh, this dress is lumpy, and her boob is not symmetrical. <laughs> under the lump, she's dress. Under the lump, she's still being constricted. See, I was too busy painting. I know. What? I'm just being a dick. <laughs> what was the outfit she had in um, the Killing Game? I oh, it was a nice remember. dress because it was a like like her lounge singer dress like yeah. that. That I felt oh, yeah, that like was nice. Was nice. Well, I liked when she and Janeway were being spies and they're just like in, like black jumpsuits. Yes, yes. The doctor should have dressed her up in like her her um, burglar yes. burglar Barbie <laughs> outfit. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I guess I was too attracted by her hair. The, I was the little by half how pony short it was. Yeah, just in general. Like I, I, I was, I mean, as Caitlin pointed out, it's probably a wig, regardless. But yeah, I, I would have ex- point. I would have expected a lot more hair being needed to make that weird twist in the back. So it's I was surprised prob- that well, it was like. Yeah. I wonder length. what our what I figured if they're called wig wranglers or what. But the people who who create and maintain the wigs, mm. if they a had to be like consulted. Oh, there you go. Ah, if they had to be consulted, like okay, in this scene, we need to be able to take. The take the hair down. Is that a special wig? Does it cut between the the hair being up and the hair being down? When you come back, it's a different thing of hair. Like I'm sure they had to be consulted. Like whoa, on what is Seven's hair? I also think yeah. when it was actually styled, it was another wig because it looked a little too long to have been made. From... Oh, it was definitely another wig. Well, yeah. the thing is, the doctor even says that he went in. You know, in like Scorpion or whatever, he even says like, oh, I've you know, uh, done something to, or maybe it was the gift. I don't know, or whatever. 
at some point the doctor's like, oh, I stimulated your hair follicle. So I'm wondering if her hair just doesn't grow naturally anymore because of all the Borgy shit. So he, so probably, maybe he just has like a whoop 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 he can do and like make her hair grow instantly. I, I think he had to kind of switch him back on, but I'm sure, especially as her physiology has reasserted itself, I we're probably supposed to assume it's now mm. running on its own. I have to say, I think she... Like the best hairstyle was the hair down in the cargo bay. I thought I, I like that better than the than the the hairstyle she had on the actual date. Yeah, it was very nineties. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Maybe it's just dated a dated look. It is, it is. And very little from the nineties has aged well aesthetically. Well what better for a date than a dated look? <laughs> but yeah, poor uh, ensign or lieutenant or whatever he was. Uh I, whatever. Chapman, the guy, yeah, the guy whose his, arm she snapped, got his arm torn off, <laughs> which is interesting because Belana threatened to tear off the the alien's arm. That's in the true. Last episode. True. Um, no, that was that was this one. Oh, was it? Yeah, with, with oh, the yeah. Uh, ambassador. Oh yeah, she threatened to tear Thompson. off. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And to break Seven's nose. That's right. It was Seven who uh, who threatened to to tear off Scott Thompson's arm. Tom um, Tom was so bummed because he was like. Yeah, she's been watching us. In the back of his mind, he's going, three-way, three-way, three-way. <laughs> uh, and then Balana blew it. Yep. But yeah, I don't know. So as as corny as the My Fair Lady plot set up and like how, how tr- you know, trite it is, I still kind of found this episode delightful in a lot of ways. It's very light. Yeah, the, there's, there's comedy th- sprinkled throughout and someplace dumped upon. There's just a little pile of comedy here. But it's it's also, I think, the... Jerry Ryan and Bob Picardo have yeah. such great chemistry together yeah. that they sell it when it, when they kind of shouldn't. I feel like Picardo has great fucking chemistry with everybody. Yeah, and like, and I don't know. I mean, I just think that they're they're two of the better actors on the show. And like, whenever you pair them up, I think you get you get good stuff. Even the singing scene, which could have been really shitty and stupid. Because they're actually both really good singers, mm-hmm. it kind of worked. Yeah, that was very sweet. As we were watching that scene, he like, at one point, the EMH closes his eyes. And I said, okay, in a second, he's going to open his eyes and see her for the first time. <laughs> and then he did. And he did. And I was like, fuck, I could have written this episode. I love it. Uh, but I, I love it. Well, the thing is, George know. Bernard Shaw had already written this episode. Right. Could Caitlin have written Pygmalion? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know, what is kind of interesting is that they, they shot, they started shooting on this episode before they knew what the ending was going to be. So they didn't know if, you know, Picardo and Jerry Ryan was, were going to get together or whether it was going to be like an unrequited thing or, or what it was going to be. And they just, they ended up just filming it very honestly, like it can mm. go any, any way you can, because that's what they were thinking as characters. So it, it worked for Casablanca. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now. I'm pretty sure this episode came out in 1999. Is that correct? Correct. I wonder if it came out before or after She's All That. (laughs) Because that was another 1999 Pygmalion uh, Uh, adaptation. God, that's funny. Freddie Prince Jr. Oh, no. She's She's All all That. that. Oh, I've never seen that. Oh, it's so corny. Yeah, dude, at some point, adapting, like, old plays into films, like, in the 90s was such a thing. Because you've got, like, Clueless... And you've got 10 Things I Hate About You. She's All That. Oh, after. This one came out after She's All That. 
Mm, oh man, I bet you when they saw that movie, the writers were like, fuck. Oh, <laughs> God, the poster. It is so 90s. I remember it not being a terrible movie, but it was, you know. Is it she's was... all that the one where like Amanda Bynes is, dresses up like a boy? Or is that no, a it's different... not Amanda Bynes. No, that's a Bynes. different one. It, this is uh, Rachel Lee Cook. I should uh, watch is, that. I feel like I'd the, like it. As the Eliza character in this one. I only saw Clueless recently for the first time, like in the last couple months. Oh, look at that spiked haircut on Freddie Prince. <laughs> oh god. Freddie Prince was cute back in the day. So so we're doing a we're doing a ten forward with on She's All That. Please no. God no. Oh my god. No, but you know what we should we should do it on all of those types of movies. It would be such a great uh it would be really Not fun. That might be, that might be a spin off podcast. I would love yeah, but I can't think of any other it would be a very short podcast. That's, That's true. fine. You'd you tell be surprised. you what. Tell you what. Me and me and Ames can take a month off, and you two can do a. Don't uh, do it under the star to steer her by banner. No, no, it can be. You know, it can be a shore leave. No, it can't. I just <laughs> want to disagree. Off. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, carrying carrying on. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I, there were lots of this. Lots of uh, a lot of the comedy in this episode worked really well. You know, I think I think it's the the dry humor of like. Seven playing sort of the straight man in a lot of these scenes, you know, like when she's at when she asks out Chapman and like it's just the, there's just like this great dry humor. Mm-hmm. He he drops the tool and then like after after successfully asking him out, she's like, oh, and you should watch your tools. It can be a workplace hazard or, or, yeah. or whatever. And it's just like, yeah, that was that was well delivered. I, I would like to point out, Jake, it has taken me this long. I just got your walking down halls joke. Oh, uh, yes. Wait, what? For our audience who's not getting it, the ambassador, uh, the uh, from from the Cotty. Mo- yes, there you go. The the monk uh, was played by Scott Thompson, famously a member of the, uh, the sketch troupe Kids in the Hall. Ooh. Hence, there were lots of scenes of him walking down halls. Yeah, which is yeah. also why that character is just the. Superest ham. Yeah. It's like I really should have hated all of that, but it's Scott Thompson being a massive ham, and there's no yeah. way to hate it. Yeah, I was oh. say, you really can't hate Scott Thompson. And we had another Seinfeld alum this week because his oh. boss was Mr. Pitt. That's right. Oh wow. That's right. He was Mr. Pitt. Mm-hmm. So actually, that- interestingly, Mr. Pitt and uh was actually the voice of Palpatine in the Clone Wars up until his passing. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Pitt. Yep. Speaking of our friends from the Cotty, the first thing we see in the episode is uh, Neelix has made some cheese specifically to be bland. So I wanted to ask you guys, what is the most bland cheese? American. No, No, it's salty. That's just salt and oil. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Munster, I feel like, is blander than American because it doesn't have as much salt. I'm trying to think, like... Because the thing is, a lot of, that that's the tricky part. Like, American, for all that I, you know, it's good for melting because it has so much just salt. It still really tastes like something once it melted, where certain cheeses, once you melt them, kind of lose their flavor. Mm. So I'm trying to think of them cold. Mm. I'm like leaning toward for- a soft cheese. Because mm. there was a cheese of, someone I knew, like, made their own cheese with, like, enzymes and shit. Yeah, and no. it was almost like a cream cheese, but not. I forget if it had a different name or whether it was just whatever this guy came up with for cheese. Mm. And it was cream cheese like, but so mild. Yeah, that kind of thing. What about like a ricotta? Because ricotta is more of a texture than a flavor. 
Cottage cheese is also not got a lot of flavor. Mm. Oh, but that the is the worst is texture. Lies. I love cottage cheese. Oh, uh, see, I, see, you're right. Have I ever fed you my lasagna? No. Yeah, uh, once I think. I think I did, because uh, my, my trade secret, uh, use half cottage cheese, half ricotta. Well, see, no, see, that's what? different, though. It's part of a thing. Yeah, yeah they're, they're eating cottage eat cheese out of, out of a, a jar. Bowl. Yeah, that's what I'm talking disgusting about. Like, to me. Like, I can't do those little, like, snack things of cottage cheese, because cold cottage cheese's texture is just... Yeah, I bet mixed in and cooked and stuff, it's probably fine. It's I just used to when use it's... it in my smoothies, too. Oh, that sounds pretty good. good. smoothie. Yeah. Um, I pretty much only try to eat... Hard cheese? Sharp, like, yeah, very sharp, like, sharp cheddars and things. That, that's the thing, is, like, I'm an uncultured swine. My main experience with cheese is deli cheese and the occasional cracker plate. Mm. Oh, I do love a good cracker plate. Any plate you use is a cracker plate, right? <laughs> 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 well, that's right. When he said, like, you know, they like it really, you know, they don't like any spice. I said, so they're white people? Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I don't know. I think once you get outside the realms of, like, cheddars, anything mm. more mild than a cheddar to me just tastes like nothing at all, which... So you oh, yeah. like you like those little spread em cheeses. What are those? Um, oh, like the, the laughing cow? Yeah, the like laughing little laughing cows. cows. I think those are very mild. Oh, yeah, they're very Yeah, they're they're like a cream cheese themselves, though, unless you get the flavored ones. A, a, a skim mozzarella, like... Uh, <laughs> I can the, eat that by the bag. <laughs> but, the like, yeah, like the cheese sticks, though, like a part skim mozzarella cheese stick, those are pretty, pretty, like... Not a ton of flavor. I find mild provolone to be pretty flavorless. Yeah, the mild ones, yeah. An mm. aged one has a kick, but a mild one is... I've had some really nasty provolone cheeses. Oh, yeah, I hate, oh, yeah, they I can hate be, provolone, but... They can be potent, little fuckers, depending on how it's made. And it's, like, not a good... When, they, when they're potent, it's not, like, a sharp flavor like you'd get from an aged cheddar cheese. It's, like, not... It's not appealing. People like the tang. Yeah. <laughs> so did the ambassador. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I don't know what that means. I don't want to know what that means. I <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of like. I, I'm pretty sure at the end, the the other guy knew full well that Thompson had gone crazy town. Oh, like yeah. I, I feel like that's why at the end, oh, it's a shame you really try things. I, I feel like this is what happens every time. They send an ambassador, they go ape shit, pretend they didn't, and everyone just kind of agrees to pretend they didn't. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and I, I I liked Ethan Phillips in this episode. In this, so panicked. Yeah, oh, just yeah. Every, every scene with him where he was just like, oh God, oh God, oh God, was 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 gold. I cannot corral this man. What do I do? Pray. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Yeah, for an episode that largely did not include most of the main characters, I thought we still got a, you know. It was, yeah, it was Janeway like, was away for the week, so. Yeah, Janeway, Tuvok weren't in it. Beltran was barely in it. Bellana was barely in it outside of like that that opening scene. Well, that's unfortunately been par for the course lately. Yeah. With the exception of last episode. But I was gonna say, but she did get, you know, the the meat of it for the I don't know, was episode. Harry Kim in it at all? Yes. yes because he was like, Oh, you're looking for a mate, huh? <laughs> oh right. And she was like, Yeah, Kim. you're not even on the fucking yeah, list. There bitch. was there was that scene, yeah. I played a clarinet. That Fuck was off. brutal. That was brutal. <laughs> what a sick burn. <laughs> Yeah. I, I gotta say, though, Doug Bronowski there, the other candidate, apparently has a poor sense of humor. Sunshine, if you play the accordion, you better have a fine sense of humor, because people are gonna shit on you all the time for that. 
Mm. Well, that would really fuck up your sense of humor, don't you think? I think playing the accordion gives you a sense of humor. That's what I mean. It just, it feels like you can't be... Weird Al. (laughs) Yeah, you can't be an overly serious person who plays the accordion. I met a guy like that. Oh, (gasps) I'm so sorry. I feel like the accordion is one of those instruments that's like bipolar in that it's either like a goofy, happy, fun polka instrument, or it's like a dying in the gutter on the streets of Paris. Uh, <laughs> well, that's, that's usually a concertina. Uh, that's true. That's true. Good point. Where does Kitar fall? I don't know. Uh, if you're dressed as a bear playing it, you're cool. <laughs> Otherwise, probably not. It, it's so funny, though, because, I mean, it does seem like an intensely complicated instrument when you see the just the buttons, the keys. An accordion? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I cannot imagine how much fucking effort it takes to learn and be consistently good with that thing. My stepdad had yeah. to learn it as a kid. And he has yeah. a good sense of humor. And he hates it. Not a <laughs> sense of humor. He loves a sense of humor. I don't think he ever liked the accordion, though. Yeah, we have a we have a good friend who plays the accordion. Yeah. Y'all know Kevin's husband. I did yeah. not know he played the accordion. He does. He's, wow. And he's a lovely human. Yeah. That's also true. What a sweet lad. They're all better than you, Doug. <laughs> I thought at the very, very end, jumping to the end, as we often do, when EMH gets turned down by Seven, goes to goes to the holodeck, I'm like, oh no, he's finally going to fuck Sandrine. <laughs> She's been trying to get into his pants this whole fucking show long. That's the thing is, though, the EMH doesn't fuck, he falls in love. That's right. That's over his... and over, man. A lot. Yeah, this is like his, what, third or fourth time, I think? Well, let's see. Because he kind Freya. of listened to Kess, right? Hmm? He was kind of into Kess. I don't think that was ever made explicit. That was no. yeah, that's debatable. That was like more. They I, were more trying to do a Tom Kess. Well, I don't think there. it was debatable. I think he was into Kess, but but for certain textually, Freya. Yep. His Vidian girlfriend. girlfriend. I don't know if you could say he loved his real life wife. No, I no, think that he, was no. just for the experience and the act. Yeah, and especially like once she was turned into a real person, he definitely didn't like her. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, this might be the third time, unless I'm forgetting an episode. Hmm. Yeah, so just because so I happen to know, like, Seven and EMH, not going to be a thing in the future. Shocking no. everyone. But they built it up like it could be a will-they-won't-they they in the future a little bit. But they, mm. they were very specific. Like, the writing room said, like, yep, we've got we've checked that off. We're not going to revisit it ever again. Yeah, that's, that's... yeah, I think that's too bad. I kind of like them together. Yeah. The thing is, like, <clears throat> you either don't do the... Oh, everyone has to have a relationship subplots, which, you know, is kind of a thing in Star Trek, I guess, where every, everybody ultimately has to have some kind of romance. True. Yeah. Um, I can't think of many who don't. Right. But, I mean, it's not out of the question just to have some, you know, an ace character, right? Like, mm. why does why does Seven need to have a relationship? Why does the Doctor need to have a relationship? And, like, the fact that they will eventually force those issues you know isn't yeah isn't great i mean if if they were going to have relationships for those characters i wish they were with each other because the the <laughs> chemistry is really good mm. almost like how i much preferred wharf and uh dax and dax to any other relationships or even wharf and uh Kalar, right like they oh, seem to hot. have a good chemistry Actually, uh, but, I, I mean, I always felt like Worf and Troy made more sense than Riker and Troy. I loved Worf and Troy. I think Troy. Michael yeah, Dorn just has really good chemistry with the women yeah, they pair him off with. Worf and, Worf and Troy was was way better than, yeah, yeah. Then I gotta get on reading Inzadi. <gasps> oh, mm. you do. So, 
anything else on this one? You know I don't drink. I don't have the stomach for it. Oh, I love that I, one. That was a good I, one. <laughs> that was that was a great dad joke. That oh, was that joke. was my favorite. I also I also really loved the uh speaking of one-liners or not even one-liner. Just a great joke was when Tom Tom was telling hologram jokes before the doctor oh, yeah. got there and then the doctor's oh, stealing my material I see and I'm like that's fucking great. Yeah. I'm just picturing but the doctor Tom's at, like like at a uh, at a cocktail party telling hologram jokes, and I loved it. But then he's like, "Well, yeah, your jokes suck, but this guy's so fucking drunk, he thinks they're hysterical." Yes. So yeah, I stole your material, but only because the audience was right. It's like, wow. I don't know. I as 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 like trite as this plot was, I still really actually enjoyed this episode a lot. I loved it. Yeah, I think so I much. also I give a lot of the credit to Robbie McNeil for the direction. I think thought the. The way that it all flowed and the tone that was kept was a great job too. Mm-hmm. And I know, like he's he's done a couple other directing gigs, and I know he's like in future he's going to do a lot more directing of things. So, and he got a really great performance out of Robert Paris. Duncan McNeil because <laughs> <laughs> he respects him so much. <laughs> uh, the other thing we can say about this episode is I would like emphatically qualify this episode. As a bottle episode, which, you know, I think for our blogtivity this week, segueing as smoothly as possible into the blogtivity. It's better than what I had in mind. Oh, good. So the, the caddy ambassador really hit the bottle hard. <laughs> I was trying to think of something like that Yay. for my segue, yes. So uncork this bottle episode. Oh, uh, no. And we're going to dive in because I think but the first thing we have to do is figure out what exactly qualifies as a bottle episode because I think... Across Star Trek, people probably think different things about it, like the goddamn Prime Directive, which I maintain mm. that I'm right. <laughs> All right, so bottle episodes. Does someone have a have a coherent and cogent definition well, of yeah. a bottle episode? Well, like, so what is the dictionary definition of a <clears throat> bottle episode? Like, what on Memory Alpha I, or or just like in general? Like, what what it, when we talk about a bottle episode of a show, it's kind of a term of art i think um i think there's there's also a ton of gray area like here's the first sentence on memory alpha bottle show also known as a bottle episode is a production term for episodes which take place mostly on existing sets and do not generally involve major guest stars but you notice in that definition it says mostly and generally indicating a whole lot of like what could be gray area yeah like for me i feel like if you've got to build anything new it automatically isn't like i feel like if you're making new like unless you've built something new that you know or at least think you're going to use again then like maybe i'll give you that but if you're building something bespoke i'm just like no i feel like that breaks what i always kind of imagined it as i'm a little more iffy on the whole guest star thing i'm like i feel like you know i guess it depends upon how much of an impact they have on the story. Like, hmm. like this episode has a pretty notable guest star. Yeah. Yeah, so that's but why he wasn't, yeah I'm sure he wasn't expensive. Yeah. <laughs> they paid well, him Canadian dollars. <laughs> Canadian then again, bacon. I mean, Kids in the Hall was pretty big at that point. He might have been a little pricier than you'd expect because of that. I don't know. But yeah, at the very least, leaving the, like, leaving the guest star thing a little vague, I feel like, you know, yeah, if you've built a new set, you're not a bottle episode. Yeah, like an example that I would think of that's, you know, there's no new sets, but there's tons of costuming and makeup is something like Journey to Babel, which I've seen arguments for being a a bottle episode. 
And I think some people get stuck in the, you can't ever leave the ship as being like the only factor of a bottle episode. See, but Journey to Babel has so many guest actors, both major, like, you know, you've got Sarek and Amanda, but even just like a lot of the major principal extras, like the, the ambassadors from the other worlds, the Andorian and the Tellarite. Oh, yeah, and, and everyone's like painted up and... Like, I feel like that's not, that, that, that just, if the whole, if part of the deal with them is that they're supposed to kind of like save the production a bit of money, that episode didn't save them squat. No. And I know, you know, when we were talking about this, we were looking at the list of episodes that were suggested by Memory Alpha, and one that, like, at first, you're like, sure, but was, um, but I was like, no, was, was Lower Decks, because that focuses on these four, you know, major, like, three completely new guest actors, and Nurse, Nurse, um, Ogawa, Ogawa, Ogawa yeah. who, like, has been there as a principal extra, but is suddenly, like, doing quite a bit. And there was that spare bartender they pulled out of their ass. Like, that, to me, makes that not a bottle episode, because it's about this whole different group of people who yeah. normally are just sort of in the background. I almost yeah, but- feel like a bottle episode should also, A, be intended to be saving money. Like, they found ways to save money specifically and and made it into the episode consciously. And B, should be more character-focused. Mm. then let's, like, I don't know, have new characters or something. Yeah, like, I mean, there's like no doubt that... Lower Decks episode. Yeah, Lower Decks is character-focused, but it's on characters we don't know. Mm. Well, I think, you know, thinking about just in terms of the saving money thing, I think the quintessential example of that is The Empath. Oh, I was going to say Shades of Grey. <laughs> well, yeah, well, see I, see, I don't count... I would not count a clip show episode Fair. as a bottle episode. I feel like that's a different... Thing. Yeah, I'm I'm the half empath, joking, but oh boy. The empath is the one with Jem, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But that's not on the ship and it's a new no, set, right? But that's the thing though. It's not like It's not it a set. It's a it fucking black room. It doesn't well. quite fit the description of the bottle episode because yeah, they're in a new environment, but that environment was specifically made out of basically spare parts that they had lying around. Mm. Uh specifically because they didn't have the money to build new sets. Yeah. There's actually literally, a, a, you know, there, there's there's an old um, 60s Doctor Who where they had a similar thing where, like, they realized somehow they were an episode short for a season, but had run out of money. So there's an episode that takes place entirely in just a white space. Ah. So that's the thing, nice. though. When you're, when you're limited, it makes you be more creative, and you can end up with something very interesting, like the empath. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if this episode you're referring to is any good or not. But if Which it is, it's because it of that. Uh, Pat Trevin. Do we still? Is it one that survives? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, thank God. <laughs> well, just one part of the larger serial. The rest mm, of the serial serious. actually has sets and stuff. Yeah, I haven't seen that one in a while. I can't remember. Yeah, I'm trying to think because I feel like when I looked at the list, it was like mostly like I don't agree with that or that or that. I'm trying to now think of ones that actually are. Yeah, well, I'll I'll, th- I'll say one one that I haven't seen on any list. But I think could be a good example of one is cause and effect, because that is the same ship over and over and over again from different angles. There is an explosion. So maybe that could disqualify it. And our guest actor, we only ever see on a view screen. He was there for maybe a half an hour one day. (laughs) Well, also, like, I'll give you that one, too, because they probably didn't build a whole new model. They had a Miranda class yeah, one lying certainly. around that they and they had the added. bridge. Yeah, yeah, but they had to do pyrotechnics because they had and they had to blow up 
a galaxy class model as well. Mm. Did they not maybe that wasn't stock footage from another episode or anything? Maybe <laughs> no, because I'm pretty sure I'm I'm pretty sure if you look carefully, it's a very cheap model okay. that so they, they built. Made a new one. Yeah, they like I think they probably just went and got a toy, a toy store. model at yeah. a, at like the hobby shop. The model that explodes, you never really see that close. Okay. And I think they just filmed the same explosion from different angles. They should have just used that fucking Star Trek three footage again. <laughs> yeah. Although I have to say the the close ups that they did of like the nacelle exploding when it gets mm. hit by the the other ship and the and like the, the venting Bozeman? the Bozeman that's right and the venting of the um, cargo bay like those are those are decent models that they used for those yeah so. yeah oh actually there was one Ames that we talked about because I I again confused it with a different one <laughs> close Which, yes yeah, well yeah clues 100 percent. that was one i was gonna throw out i got confused i always think clues when you say that episode title is um conundrum 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 but i i would also say is a pretty pretty good bottle episode see that one for me though, models and conundrum yeah they? there's a bunch of, there's a couple new models and again you've got sort of the major guest figure in commander what's his name yeah Although the main model that we see in Conundrum is this space station thing that they went that they were gonna blow up, and I feel like that was a reused model, or maybe mm. they re- built it for that and then reuse it another time. Maybe. But it's like that, th- like that tripod shaped uh, space station thing. Wasn't that also the god in the uh, Bobby Hill episode there? Oh, maybe that does sound familiar. Wait, the god in the Bobby Hill episode? Wasn't Not there the like god, a space the, the justice? I think. Oh, Injustice, yes. Oh, is it just? Okay. Yeah, the Bobby Hill episode, the god was Picard. Oh, um, that's right, that's right, that's right. There wasn't a space station there. <laughs> I am um, not a god. Would, but he uh, has a tripod, so it, it tracks. Would the uh, episode where uh, Picard reveals his love of ships in a bottle count as a bottle episode? What episode even to, is that, though? I was, I was trying, trying to, remember to think of the I title. I literally no idea. I was trying to make the... Remember the title of that one so I could make that joke, but I couldn't think of what the episode was. Me either, but I didn't let that stop me. I was never a boy. Yeah. Oh, no, no, uh, no, it was Dana. I'm not voice. a merry man. <laughs> I am not a merry man. Yeah, no, I did the I did the wharf voice for Data, which is I, I feel incorrect. like if anything, probably just because of the nature of the show, you've got a good chance of having a lot of DS9 bottle episodes. Especially early on when they didn't leave the station much. Yeah, that's the mm. thing about them, though, is I feel like every single time, like, there was a string of episodes when we talked about, oh, this episode was expected to save them a lot of money, but they forgot to, to think about, oh, right, the makeup, or they yeah. were supposed to save a lot of money, but, oh, shit, this explosion scene. Yeah, Like, that yeah. kept happening over and over and over again, where there's always some weirdness about a Deep Space Nine episode. Yeah. Like, I think the one on my list that is... Actually, there's a couple of deep places online was worth bringing up because there's there's Babel, which mm-hmm. is mm. nothing like they're just on the ship and no one can yep. talk uh, yep. like, coherent English. That one I think is a good example. And then there's Civil Defense. Oh yeah, well that but that was new sets a lot, right? Because we were we were exploring the guts of the station. I don't know. I think it's probably easy to create a tube, a Jeffrey's which, tube to crawl through. Which one's Civil Defense? Attention Majority Workers. Attention Majority Workers. Okay. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, and uh, Goldicott shows up and is, like, not concerned at all by all the, like, <laughs> fucking phaser rays flying yes. around. Nice. Yeah. So hot. That fucking, that scene is so great. Until we get to the up to the next layer and find out that, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Goldicott, you little bitch. You tried to abandon ship. Yep. Oh, no. Yeah, now, 
Memory Alpha and other lists I've seen try to say Duet is a is a bottle episode, but I think that's just an episode with a particularly like good guest star. Yeah, I feel like again. That's uh, the one with uh, uh Maritza. Go- yeah, Maritza Gold Darheel. The guy who was like he was pretending to be this war criminal. Kira was- learns to be less racist. Yeah, but he'd actually just been a clerk there, not the guy he's claiming to be. Really early one. I don't remember. It's the it's really best good. episode of season one, by far. It's the judge from Ghostbusters 2. Well, I'm almost finished with my second watch through of Deep Space Nine, so I guess I'll have to start over again. Yep. <laughs> What's on your list, Jake? Because I think one of your favorite well, episodes counts. One of my favorite from episodes. From TNG. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say possibly uh, Remember Me could be a pretty good example. Oh, yeah, that's true. Although yeah. we do get... um. Quace, he's barely in it for like two fucking minutes, barely, right? even less than than uh Captain Bateman. I know, yeah. um, but he's the MacGuffin of the whole episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, no, I'd say that qualifies because, like, yeah, yeah, oh, we also have the Traveler in that episode if we're talking about guest stars. Yeah, that's the thing. That's why it's such a there's oh, so many yeah, gray he areas. He shows up at the ass end. I forgot. Yeah, he teaches Wesley how to use his magic powers to rescue mom yeah 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 i'd still give it to that one they're they're both minor enough appearances yeah and i would call that a i would say that probably qualifies as a bottle episode because although it takes place on two ships in two (laughs) universes they are the same ship two two rikers one bridge yes (laughs) others where we see let's reuse the bridge again what do you guys think of the mark of gideon where they just make a. They just may have a spare Enterprise to put Kirk on and get his STDs. Mm. There are a ton well, like, of yeah. there are a ton of extras in that though, so maybe not. Mm. Also, just like any episode of of TOS where they go to another Constitution class ship, like yeah, they're uh, not the leaving Tholian, the, the ship. Tholian web, right? <laughs> like you know that one pretty much only takes place on the Enterprise. I don't think that's the one you're thinking of. The Tholian web, yeah. Isn't that there the isn't one where... A, are you saying there's a second Enterprise? There's a Defiant. Oh, the one that disappears, yeah. Oh! Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, but the rest of the episode pretty much just takes place on the Enterprise, and the only thing you see is, like... Ghost Kirk. Ghost, Ghost Kirk. Oh, yeah, that, that one's definitely, I think, a, bo- a bottle episode. It's There aren't even other characters other than... A kind of beetle on the screen that talks. Mm. Mm. There are the Tholian ship models, but they're just triangles. Yeah. And like, in the 60s version, they they look really shit. Yeah. The web looked good. Yeah, that's true. One I disagreed with that was on the list, because again, it only takes place on Enterprise sets, and at one point it's standing in for another ship, I think, is the um, Doomsday Doomsday Machine. Machine. Yep, I was thinking the same thing. But I feel like... The Doomsday Machine model and, you know, the major appearance of Commodore Deckard for me kind of torpedoes that. Also, they kind of, like, the, they had to build a different model, or did they? They must have, for the, um, what the, what the fuck's his ship called? Um, oh. The Constellation? Is Maybe? it the Constellation? That sounds right-ish. Um, because that, that ship's all fucked up. That's yeah. heavily damaged. Yeah, so that probably is a different model. But yeah, I mean, they do mostly, they're pretty much only using another one in that same category is uh, the Ultimate Computer, where mm. we don't even see the bridges on the other ships, I don't think. Oh, yeah. We, do. we, just, we just see them flying around. 
No, because uh, they definitely cut to the the guy leading the other team once oh, or twice. Oh, right. And, and they, I think but, they, like, put, like, an extra tall back on the chair. Right. <laughs> but for the most part, you know, we're only on the Enterprise. Does Nomad count? They did have to build Nomad. That's true. But, again, they never leave the ship, so sure, I'll count it. Sure. And it's, you know, it's not quite the same as, you know... Uh, the, cha- the Changeling? The Changeling. Oh, what 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 should definitely count are the the naked time and the other naked one, the naked place. No, the naked, naked now. now. <laughs> well, they did they did beam in the naked time. They were down on the planet, so they had that weird concrete looking set. Yeah, they but built. that cost fifty bucks. <laughs> yeah, just get some of that popcorn ceiling stuff and spray it on literally everything. They did go over to that Oberth in uh, yeah, and the TNG the one, but those were probably recycled. Correction, like, sir, that's blown out. So, yeah, those ones probably count, just because what little they added. Yeah. And again, I'm willing to bet the TNG sets were recycled. Oh, yeah. Probably. Hell, the TOS one was probably recycled from some other... It was probably the control room from where no man has gone before. Hm. Mm. Oh, how about the enemy within? I don't know, they had to hire two Shatners. <laughs> <laughs> and that dog. Yeah, and two dogs. Good dog. Uh, excuse me, those were very alien-looking aliens. They weren't dogs. Oh, yeah, you're right. Very, you're right. You're right. Very advanced puppets. Yes. Oh, they do have Sulu leave the ship, though. Sulu's down on planet, but... Yeah, yeah. shooting that rock. Yeah, just being cold. Yeah. Burr. <laughs> but again, they're on a planet that's, I'm sure, a set that they already had, which is yeah. just, like, their planet set. Yeah. Fucking... They, they used it, and then five minutes... They had to get off, you know, at 5 p.m., so Lost in Space could get in. Right. Then Gilligan's Island somehow was on well, it later. That's another thing about TOS is that so, most of the times when they do beam down to a planet, it is either a back lot that mm. already existed, or a park in Los Angeles, or a park, yeah, or or like or or Vasquez Rocks, or you know, it's it's like it's nothing that they had to like spend a lot of money on. It's just stuff that they had. Yeah, you know how many? So like, I'm pretty sure both. Hitler episode and gangster episode were probably filmed on a New York City backlot type set. Yeah. I know. I feel yeah. like anytime you go on a location though, it does cost extra because of all the extra equipment and shit you need for the day. But again, mm. yeah, like on location, but backlots already have that shit. Like that's, oh, that's the whole fair. point of having a backlot is that like the lighting and everything is just like part of it. But if it we allow backlots, that just really opens Oh, I know. I wouldn't. Up, so. I'm not going to count those as, as bottle <laughs> episodes. I'm just pointing out that like TOS, as expensive as it was at the time to produce, did a lot of cost cutting it, yeah. uh, for you know a lot of things. Well, they didn't have any freaking budget, especially season three. They had like no fucking oh, budget. Oh, yeah. Well, but yeah, exactly. But. The early episodes wasn't, didn't we say that like the pilot was the most expensive pilot filmed for TV at, to that point or something? Yeah, that's because they had to build all the sets and models and shit. Yeah. yeah. Because, and, but once they existed, you can use them all the time. Yeah. I had yeah, another I guess... one I wanted to bring up. What one was it? Oh, the, the Deep Space Nine episode, the sound of her voice was almost entirely on the Defiant. Yeah. Which one's that? That's the, one, the one with the voice. Talk to the, yeah, where they talk to the lady that's already dead. Oh, oh right. yeah. That's a great episode, that too. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say that counts. There's like a very brief foray into a cave at the end, but that's well, she's it. also a guest star. No, she's a skeleton. <laughs> oh, well, yes, the actor. Yeah, and she's just a voice, a voice actor, though, so I think... I, I No, we see her on screen. Do we? <laughs> Do we not? No. We see her corpse. 
Oh, I thought we saw her on screen at one point, but Not I guess once. I'm lying to myself. That's why we, we were laughing because it's, um, oh, I forget her name. I think it's Denise somebody. But yeah, we said she is a, a black woman and the skeleton we find is a white woman. Mm. So no, she is not on screen. Huh. I'm trying to think. There's certain episode like um episodes where we spend most of the time. Oh, in Deborah a Wilson is the name, by the way. The actor? Yeah. In a shuttle. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Are there episodes like that? What's the oh. one where Quark has to hang out with James Cromwell for a day? Quark has to hang out with James Cromwell he's, for a he's, day. He's playing some kind of alien and a bomb has fallen into their room and they have to disarm it. Oh, oh right. Oh, that's, yeah. uh, that's on the Defiant there. Yeah, they're... Uh, oh, what the fuck was that one? I don't remember. I, I remember it being um, a really good one. It was yeah, good. But was that, was, that was kind of like the DS9 does disaster because the ship was under attack. Oh, and disaster. Boom. Disaster could count. That was another one I was going to say. But then I was like, oh, but they had to do a lot of stuff with the turbo lifts. And those kids. Build, and the kids. Fuck those kids. Fuck yeah, I think we, kids didn't we say it's free. Like, didn't we say, like, basically it was like DS9 does disaster, but good? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because disaster's kind of shit. Yeah, uh, disaster could be a bottle episode, even though it's bad. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, true. bottle episodes don't have to be good. No, no, I know. I just wanted to get another dig in at disaster. Yeah, I think it's actually really hard once once you have a definition of a bottle show, bottle episode, it's hard to find ones that actually fit 100 percent yeah i think that's why the definition has to be kind of which vague. is why it yeah. is yeah vague. it's a it's a judgment call what about data's day that mostly is on the enterprise they do have a dance studio they have the dance studio and they have to dress up keiko in bridal wear and we have that and, romulan lady but, but yeah, otherwise why not? it's pretty much yeah, only on the enterprise yeah. and i would be surprised if the dance studio was maybe just actually a dance studio that they <laughs> yeah. had access to on this on the lot and just brought some cameras in. Yeah, I also think it's probably not very hard to create a dance studio set. Yeah. Yeah, where, where the definition, I think, breaks down is on, on Memory Alpha, they include a, a, a Discovery episode, and I think just anything from any of the currently running shows can't be bottle episodes, because they're even, oh, sure, the sets all exist, but you had to like create a space whale in... Um, Magic to make the sanest man go mad. You had to do all kinds of extra bullshit, even though you're on the set. Well, I feel like for me, part of it too would be like, it has to be able to stand on its own. And Discovery is so heavily serialized that- I don't think I, a bottle episode has to stand on its own. Really? That's mm. actually one of the things I had thought was key to the definition myself. But since it didn't get brought up yeah, in I, the I, definition. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see why it has to. I think it just has to- be contained like the episode itself has to like be contained expenses wise well i also think there's like there's got to be a relative consideration because any episode of new star trek is going to be a lot more expensive to produce than any episode of 90s trek yeah right like even with inflation yeah it's just because the production values are so much higher now so, like, by that standard, I might say, I can't remember the name of it, but the the fairy tale episode of Strange New Worlds might qualify because they're just, they're all, the, it's all the regular actors and they're all just in different costumes, pretty much. And they're all on the ship. Hmm. That's interesting. I didn't, I didn't think of that one. And I think it's too new to be on the website. I guess there's a question of how much those those costumes cost. 
Mm-hmm. Right. I'm sure True. a lot, especially when they had to they do look- the dog, too. Love that right. dog. But again, <laughs> you could probably get those fancy costumes, which I'm sure weren't cheap, but also probably rentals, right? I can't Maybe. Although I, all those. I, 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 some of that had to be bespoke. Like, I think uh, Pikes definitely was. Mm. Again, but even felt- so, like, I'm sure all the cost of those costumes combined is less the than value. less than a new set oh. less than a new set or less than like a special effects shot you know yeah effects shot right me meanwhile the cost of those costumes combined was more than the budget for your average tos yes, right. yeah, exactly. even yeah. after adjusting for yeah it's like fifty thousand dollars worth of costumes but still a pittance compared to like <laughs> what they would spend to build one of those sets or yeah. build a uh you know or or do a VFX. Yeah. All right, now we're just talking. What? Not, we've, just, we've just been talking about how much things cost in other shows. Yes. Now. Yes. yes. Um, bottle episode. Oh, oh, uh, the one where Scotty shows up and drinks the green. Wait, wrong kind of bottle. Uh, oh, fuck you. Oh, I got one. Any episode of TAS, because they literally just <laughs> reused all of their animation frames. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Just co- caught the copy paste series. I'm sure the, the I could pay show. for this show. Yes. I think you probably could have animated it better, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> and with more attention to detail, like yeah. the correct color of things, and like yes. Yeah, God, that that show cost less than Walter Koenig. Oh God. <laughs> so what? Like uh, which is uh, which is why which is why they didn't get Walter Walter in it is because yeah, they, yeah. he would have doubled their budget. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. it's just that. an American cheese sandwich. No ham. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, I guess it, it is really hard to nail down what exactly. It, yeah, it is, and so many episodes that you think, oh yeah, this episode, except for this one particular element of it, which yeah. would be a pain in the ass to produce. Like I feel like the joke of what is an a, a bottle episode is disqualifying of most bottle episodes yeah like have you guys ever seen community random episodes i I, I, one day i will watch all of it yeah there are a lot of really good episodes of community because they go for little shticks and one of the shticks is abed said like when he when he notices they can't leave the school he says oh this is gonna be a bottle episode because there are (laughs) these limitations and anything something happens that continues to limit their options to do things throughout their day he's like this is a bottle episode it's a bottle episode so it's community does a bottle episode but they actually kind of are very self-referential about it yeah so this is gonna be a tough blog activity to write up because the answer is gonna be uh nothing qualifies Shake off my hands. Nothing qualifies except all of TAS. <laughs> Perfect. Because That's nothing qualifies, easiest. everything qualifies. Ah. Yeah, this is either the hardest or the easiest blog activity. Only one way to find out. Why not Go to the Tumblr, people. Yeah, check out our Tumblr. Yeah, speaking speaking of never leaving our rooms, uh, I never leave my room, so we're going <laughs> to check it all out on Tumblr. So, yeah, read up on sshbpodcast.com. You can listen to more Star Trekky episodes over on our SoundCloud or wherever it is you listen to. I was going to say blog activities. Nope. Podcasts. I don't know what order anything is coming out anymore. So I'm going to say what I think we're doing next week and we'll see if that's actually true. Next week we're doing more Voyager. Running very uh, much closer to the end of season five. Oh shit. Next week's going to be 11.59 and Relativity. So that'll be a really fun week. You can also... Talk to us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have better examples of bottle episodes than what the ones we've listed, feel free to share them and we'll probably find the one stupid thing that makes it not qualify. 
As up yours, does. listener. <laughs> think, you, think you've got think you've got better ideas about bottle episodes than us? Make your own fucking podcast. Yeah. Fuck off. No, no, they might get bigger than us. Uh. All right. Well, we're all back where we belong. Back in the bottle. This has been Ames. This has been Caitlin. This has been Jake. And this is always Chris. Put a cork in it. <laughs> Put a quark in it. Ah! Ah! <laughs> Dot com.